0: Uh, number two, and uh, we're going to continue into the series this morning. I uh, can't promise you we're going to get through this whole message because I am going to be mindful of your time. and don't want to hold you hostage until uh, 2 p.m. with me preaching. Um, got about 18 pages of notes that we need to get through today uh, on just the first 10 verses that I'll tell you kind of where uh, we're heading, but I hope that you brought your Bible to church today. If you didn't, uh, let that be a um, a priority when you come into uh, God's house. We're going to uh, try to get into the message, but I've titled it uh, Protect This House. Protect This House. Everyone say, Protect This House. Uh, hopefully, you'll, you'll mean that a little bit more as we get into it. But uh, if you are an Under Armour fan, any Under Armour fans in the house today, I, I love Under Armour hoodies and, and just their apparel. Uh, uh, one of their slogans that they use is Protect This House. And it's such a powerful slogan that uh, they use on, on many of their, their products that you would see in a store. And as a pastor, uh, I love that as well. Uh, I, I love the fact as a husband and a father um, that, that uh, I, can, I can make that uh, part of my home, that, that I'm going to protect this house. It means that as a pastor, uh, I'm going to stand for truth. Uh, I'm going to stand for character and I'm going to stand for uh, integrity. I'm going to stand for what the Bible says is right and what the the Bible says is wrong, not by what the world says is right or what the world says is wrong. You are not going to hear me preach a secular opinion from uh, behind this pulpit. Instead, you're going to hear me uh, proclaim the Word of God every single week to you. Uh, For my home, you will see me stand up for those same values that I teach you and I preach to you. You're going to see me and Tiffany try to model a marriage after Christ and parenting through what God wants in our life, you're going to see me be at the forefront when I ask you uh, to do something. You're going to see me be the first to do that. I'm going to lead my home well, but I'm also going to lead God's church well. I'm going to do all I can to protect this house. In church, Paul had the same attitude when it came to the church at Galatia. He said, we are going to protect these Christians. We are going to protect this church. And Under Armour says we're going to fight for the things that matter. If you go on their website, you're going to see the things in their life and in their organization that truly matter. They said, I I think it's important that we stop fighting against each other and instead we fight for each other. You know, we're so busy to fight what somebody's wearing or uh, what somebody believes, and we get angry when uh, they don't believe the same thing we do in the society today. And then, and then all of a sudden you can't be friends no more. You, you, you go uh, on Facebook and you go to find them and you realize that they've either blocked you or they've unfriended you. Ever had that happen before? Uh, and then we sit there like a deer in a headlight when we look at the Facebook page and we're like, oh my gosh, they deleted me. And, you know, but, but what we've done is we've, we've uh, grown apart, we've, we've divided, and we've denominated And even the Christian body today has divided on what we stand against. Instead, what I've been trying to share with you for the last several weeks is the primary reason of what we fight for is the one true gospel of Christ. And listen, the Bible is for real. And Jesus loves all people and he can can absolutely change your life. He can flip your life upside down today if he wants to. And that is the primary concern when you come in to the church. As your pastor, I urge you to protect culture uh, where we invite anybody and everybody into these doors so that their lives can be changed through the power of Jesus. This church will protect this generosity as an ethic and I will continue to teach the biblical principle of tithing. Don't get tired of it. Embrace it. It is biblical to give to the local church so that we can bless others. We are a church that believes in giving our tithe back to the Lord. And anything past that is above and beyond of your offering and your mission efforts like the Backpack Project. We're going to hold true to the commitment of the Bible, and to the Bible preaching and teaching. We're going to protect one another, that we live in a way that honors God's Word. When one is stumbling, we won't talk about them. Instead, we will strive to confront them in brotherly love, and we will embrace them. We will protect what matters and who matters. Hey, Cross Life Church is not a country club. This isn't, it's not Burger King. Uh, we don't always get our way. Uh, And we we won't look like one another, and we're not going to talk like one another, okay? I want it to be where when you walk in, hey, I I hope there is five languages here one day. I hope there is five different groups of people one day. I hope we do reach the Muslim population in Rowan County. I hope we do reach the African-American population and the Hispanic population and the Asian population. I want that for this church because it's biblical. You think everybody looked the same in the Bible? Anybody anybody think Jesus was a Caucasian man? <laughs> look. We've got to protect it. And we've got to reach people that don't look like us or talk like us. As we walk through this next part of Galatians, we're going to see Paul kind of protecting these people. Now remember week 1 of the series I told you that these people in Galatia, they're new baby Christians meaning they're they're drinking they're drinking milk. Hey, they're, not even, they're not even eating solid food yet. They, they really don't know uh, hardly anything about the truth of the Bible or, or the truth of, of, of Christ's words, uh, so to speak. Uh, it, it's kind of like a person getting saved, and they're, they're kind of in that first part of their journey. Hey, they don't really know a lot. They're, they're kind of following other people's actions. They're still drinking that spiritual milk, and they had come from so many different societies, hey, and, and their lives had been changed. Through Jesus they were no longer having to sacrifice their life for an idol they found that out through Paul's preaching but they weren't having to do some kind of pagan exercise to make their gods happy for them and they had been taught that they had to work for this salvation they had to work themselves up the totem pole and they had just found out who the true Jesus was that true gospel so Paul okay let's backtrack is writing this letter to all of these people at Galatia because they had been saved. Maybe even one of the first letters that he wrote, I kind of believe that it was, that we don't know, but he was writing because some misguided Christians, maybe it was well-intended, maybe it was ill-intended, that came in behind Apostle Paul to the Galatian Christians and they started teaching them all of the religious ways again. How many of you remember getting saved? And then you hear other saved people talk about it. it. Seems so complicated. Hey, well, that's what is going on here. The, these people—they had received the gospel, they had true life transformation—and then folks came behind them and were saying, "Hey, it's great that you're saved, but this is what we need you to do now. It, it's great that you've given your life to Jesus, but if you really want to be saved, you're going to have to start doing all of this stuff." And when they brought out the list of stuff, it was like Santa's list. It was like a kid asking for stuff at Christmas with this big old list that probably go all the way down the aisle of all of these religious rules that they were going to have to follow. And they were going to have to follow them to a T. If not, then they weren't really the believer that they are supposed to be. That included dieting. It included holidays. It included feasting. And it included that uh, specific word, circumcision. Um, Now, I had this thought this week, and I texted Hunter. I said, now... uh, Man, what did they do? Carry like vaccine cards in their back pocket that says, I'm circumcised? Like, how did, it, how did they even know? Like, you walk up into the church and they're like, hey, are you circumcised? <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what did they do? That's what was going on. They were so worried about those laws and religious uh, traditions that they're forgetting that all people needed Jesus. That's what he had come to the world to do. And these Galatians are just being bogged down with religious requirements. And Paul's like, you know what? I'm totally astonished at what you guys have done. (laughs) I'm totally disheartened. I'm totally uh, embarrassed that you have quickly abandoned the God who saved you and you're going back into slavery in religion. I don't know about you, but people who are freed from slavery, they never look back to go into it again. And in the religious world, we do that. In the, in the real world, we say, I know you got saved, but you've got to start doing this and start doing that, and you've got to start reading this and reading that. I had a pastor one time that I had, I had like seven kids get their life to Christ at an event, and the first thing he did was get them a 300-page book to go read. This is enough. Like, look, what are we, what are we doing? gotta stop wearing this the church and not this and and what we've done is weaponized behavior to get people quote-unquote I call it super saved and I just share with you that uh, <laughs> Jesus loves you um, And so this message today protect the house protect this church protect us from bad theology and to keep us in the mindset that we're free from Christ free from religion and I loves Paul Paul's heart for this for these groups of Christians you know, if you remember last week, we saw that Paul went and studied for three years, and he went and got away, started preaching to, to the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And the Jews were the insiders, but the Gentiles were these outsiders, and these uh, Gentiles were not Jewish, meaning uh, they were not Hebrew by birth. And Paul's passion was to go preach to those that didn't look like him, or or act like him, or talk like him. And these Gentiles weren't going to know the story of Moses They weren't going to know the story of of Abraham. They weren't going to uh, know the story of Noah or Jonah. They weren't going to know the Ten Commandments by heart. They literally had no frame of reference to know that the Messiah was coming back. Like, you talk about unreached people groups in the world. This was it. They don't know anything about that stuff. Paul just knew that he was being called to preach the gospel. And the beautiful thing was these Gentiles were beginning to get saved. And so the first thing we're going to look at this morning that we can find in Galatians 2 is that Paul had this accountability to the body. He was accountable to the body. Let's look at Galatians 2, and um, and, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. Look at, look at it. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. And look at this. He went with Barnabas, and he also took Titus, with him. Now understand, he is a Jerusalem guy. He grew up in this context. In Acts chapter 7, we see him holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. He's a Jerusalem guy. He gets saved on his way to Syria on the Damascus Road. And for three years, he's going to spend time with God and his, and his disciples. And he's going to learn. And here we are, 14 years later, he's going back to Jerusalem going to Jerusalem. Now look, also that he went there and he did it with Barnabas, his right-hand guy, and he took Titus with him. And Paul was learning how to plant churches, which nobody, might I add, had ever done that before. He was preaching and teaching in all of these places, Galatia being one of those. And then after 14 years of ministry, he goes back to Jerusalem to take some of these leaders, to walk with these leaders in the church. And I, and I love that Paul just didn't go crazy like we see in a lot of our churches today and, and leave these brothers and say, you know what, I'm going to go plant my own church. I'm going to go plant my own denomination. I'm going to go plant my own ideas and my ideology. What did he do? He went to the leadership and he said, hey, this is the call God's put on my life. I want to reach the Gentile people. And he was submitting to to leadership, even after all of these years, 14 years in the church, 14 years of ministry. He didn't go his separate way and get in the car and go go plant some church by himself. He went to the leadership and said, hey, this is my heart. This is what I want to see. And church, I will say it five years into our experience here at Cross Life Church, we still have the best yet to come when it comes to church planting. Uh, I, I truly believe that when God called me here, he set me on a vision, he set me on a path, and he told me, point blank, you're going to plant churches. And church, I don't know what that looks like. have got no idea what that looks like. I just know what he told me. So I'm kind of like, Paul, <laughs> I'm submitting to you today to say, hey, this is the plan. This is the vision. We're going to go and plant churches. And we're going to hear so many people giving their life to Jesus there to sacrifice on that cross that he bore on Calvary. You know, he didn't act like he, he couldn't learn from anybody else. He submitted. And notice in this verse, he never goes alone. He always has somebody with him. He had this, uh, I call it his growth group, you know, his growth group like we have here. His grow group was with him. Uh, and if you don't know anything else about Barnabas or Titus, Barnabas' name was encourager. Barnabas was the encourager. Everyone needs an encourager in your life. And part of the problem in our lives today is that we have too many discouragers and gossipers that are within our life. Now look, I've learned this week, like Thomas needs encouragement in his life. Um, You know what I did? I I, I went and I made phone calls after Sunday morning. And I I set up some meetings with people that I knew were going to encourage me. And I sat down and I broke bread with them over lunch and I knew that they would speak life into me. Uh, That's why they've been coaches in my life for five years now. People that that are outside of our church realm that I know are supporting me, that love me, that want to hold on to me and embrace me when I go through something. Everybody needs encouragers in their life. But here's the thing, many times when life's going good, we kind of forget the encouragers, right? Well, I'm good. I don't need it right now. I'm good for another 30 days. I don't need it right now. And Paul had this brother in the faith and a son in the faith that he was rolling right along with. Who you are is a result of who you are with. And Paul made it a habit to hang out with people like Barnabas and Titus. Hey, sometimes it, it doesn't, it, it, it means deleting maybe a few numbers from your phone or, or maybe going to the unfriend button on Facebook to get that out of your life. Maybe sometimes that has to happen. But verse 2 Look at this," he says. "And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that the gospel I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Now this is a literal up when he says I went up. Jerusalem would have been north of where he was. Uh, notice what he didn't do. He didn't go blast social media. He didn't go blab his opinions. What did he do? He went to the leaders privately because of this revelation from God. He went to people far from the Jewish and and the Hebrew traditions. He went to the people uh, that were closest to the house or far away from the house. Paul went to church leaders to tell them what he was going to be preaching, and he wanted the blessing from them. That's what he wanted. And this is why accountability matters so much. He did it to make sure that he wasn't running the race in vain. You know, I I love this text. The more I read it, the more I love Paul. uh, Such a great apostle, great church leader, great Bible writer. Wanted to be held accountable to the body of Christ wasn't walking around thinking he knew it all, he wasn't saying that uh, they didn't know what they're talking about, I'm just going to go do it my way, I don't need a pastor telling me what to do, I don't need a Bible study leader telling me what to do, ain't no leadership telling me what I should do. Listen, that stuff is unbiblical. It's unbiblical. Even the great apostle Paul, who could have just done it himself probably, was submissive to leadership and wanted to be held accountable to the body of Christ. Now look at it. He he went up because of a revelation. Can I just say this? Is is it not incredible to know that God can even speak that still today? You know, God's still speaking to His people. He reveals Himself through His Word, His people, His church. God is still speaking. And my plea to you today is let the Lord speak to you. Let Him speak to you. Sometimes we just need to calm down. (laughs) <laughs> and slow down long enough to get a word from God. Sometimes we just need to, to chill out and just let God speak to you. Many times we try to put the cart in front of the horse. And, and why do we go in circles sometimes? Because we stop letting God speak to us. Why can't we figure out vision? Because we maybe we're not listening to Him. Let Him speak to you. When you come into the house on Sunday mornings, ask God to speak to you. Ask him to get that still, small voice. And, and in verses 1 and 2, Paul says that he wants to do what is for the kingdom of God. Paul says the one that died on the cross, he was buried, he was resurrected, he's coming back, and Paul is like, that's not that's good enough for me. You know, that, that's, that's good. He says that's enough for everybody. He's giving the backstory, and he's telling the Galatians, you guys have been deceived, and you guys have been confused over and over. He said, I can't believe you're going to religion and customs. And after 14 years of preaching, Paul is saying, I went to the leaders of the church to tell them what I'm telling you. You don't have to do anything that God has earned for you. You don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to put uh, more on the labor, and more rules, and more righteousness of yourself to please God more than uh, just pleasing for you. He said the gospel is enough. And all of this world needs is right standing with God. And I guarantee you it would get back on track. So through prayer and reflection, Paul has this revelation that that needs to be addressed among church leaders. What it did was it kept the groundwork with all of them. And and, and this is a cool thing about Paul, too. I love this about Paul. He wanted to be held accountable not only to those around him, but also to the church. He was an incredible leader. Absolutely incredible leader. We can learn a lot from Paul in his life. You learn a lot by, by just reading Paul's letters. I can learn a lot about leadership style and, and about pastoring from Paul. Instead, Paul chose the route of submission here. Many times we want to give people the green light and let them go do whatever they want to do as a leader. And then next thing you know, it blows up. Your pastor needs accountability. I'm coming to you today. I need accountability. Hey, if I'm doing something wrong, call me out. I want to know those things. I want to be better. Don't call me out in a, in a, in a, in a rude way. <laughs> you know, just, just talk to me. Uh, I, I'm taking accountability for myself right now. There's some things that I've noticed in my life this week as I've been traveling through this thing that we call life, and Tiffany and I are trying to, to figure some things out internally in me that I'm going to have to change some things. accountability is going to be big for me in the next probably the next six months to a year it's going to be huge in my life I'm going to need it I'm going to need the encouragement but I'm telling you I'm still standing last week was rough but I'm still standing tall thank God for people in this church that have spoken life into me this week thank God for people just about every single day sending text message after text message saying hey I'm praying for you I'm lifting you up I can't thank you enough for that Keep doing it. Church, accountability is huge. And Paul wanted to be accountable to God. Remember two weeks ago what I what I shared with you about the gospel? Todd, if you can put up that slide, uh, the gospel slide. God is good and holy. You know, the the, the Trinity, okay, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together as one. He didn't need us, but He desired us. So this is kind of a recap from uh, week number two. He created everything. Everything in the world he created. We had the fall of mankind. Sin came into the world. Adam and Eve messed up. We're not going to blame one or the other. They messed up. They ate for the forbidden fruit. They shouldn't have done it. Because of them, we've got sin. Because of them, life can be crazy sometimes. It's all Adam and Eve's fault. <laughs> but if it was us, we would have done the same thing. Had to fall of mankind. Okay, then, then, then there was the law that was put down. God put the law down, the penalty of the sin. Because of the sin in our life, there's, there's consequences of it. And, and we, we went through, and that's why there's childbearing pains, and, 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 and the serpent turned into the snake, and all that. that was all in there. The law was created. Then you had the Ten Commandments that come through, and, and all of these Old Testament traditions, and all these Old Testament laws. But then the gospel came. Jesus Christ was sent into the world by Father God to die on the cross for us so that He could pay it all on the cross. And that ultimately turns into the Christian life that we get to live it out and breathe it out and to share it for all humanity for the rest of this world's time. How beautiful is that? No, but I tell you, religion tells you that you got to add to all this stuff. You have to be... More religion. It's, I don't even really know if that's a, a, a word. Tiffany will probably get me for that. got to be more religion. <laughs> religion has layers. More religious, more religion. We, we have churches and denominations because nobody gets along too, too worried about the color of something or too worried about what translation is used when the primary focus has to be Jesus. And as a result of all of what God has done, we get to live the Christian life. And God says, I'll do all of the work. I'll pay the price. I'll do it for you. We don't live accordingly to keep it, but because God keeps you. God says, no longer do you have to have some circumcised body, but I want to give you a circumcised heart because he changes you from the inside out. That's the gospel. So Paul says, I've got this revelation. Because in this day, the Jews were coming behind him and they were causing chaos in the church at Galatia. And Paul goes in private. And he goes and shares with these brothers and these disciples that he could. And he wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to dismiss something. And can I tell us something this morning? Sometimes we miss the glorious part of the gospel because we spend religion and traditional values on it way too often. Anyone ever felt like they weren't good enough to be loved by Jesus? Anybody ever had that moment? You ever felt shamed and just empty? I'm not telling you to live how you want. You live as God wants you to. You live with God in joy and in peace. Focus on the fruit of the Spirit instead of the fruit of your own effort. And do you know how you grow in that kind of stuff? You grow as you spend time with God. But we don't teach it enough. The God who saved you is the God who wants to walk beside you. The God who wants to be there for you. He wants to change you. Number two this morning. We've got to watch what we say. We've got to watch what we say. Paul says... Let's watch how we do this. we got to watch how we say this. He's protecting the house. The Galatians had been all messed up with bad theology over and over and over. Some of us have been so messed up with bad theology in previous churches, previous life. I've seen it as bad as the pastor's family wasn't allowed to go to the movie theaters, but all the members could. Um, uh, I don't know. I've seen it 15 years ago. Or so where a church that decided they would hold a meeting to vote on if they could take stuff out of the Bible if they could if they could actually take verses out and say hey this doesn't apply to us I've seen it it's a church in North Carolina and we don't think that stuff happens it does terrible theology I I feel like the letter of Galatians is written for places like that and all we can do is pray for them and work on ourselves to make sure that we get it right But look at verse 3. You, not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Titus was a Gentile, a convert to Christ. This was a son to Paul in the faith. Titus would become a pastor of the church. He was a preacher of the gospel. And look what he says about Titus. He says, not even Titus, who was with me, was even forced to be circumcised. He was Greek. Paul says, if I don't expect it out of one of the most trustworthy leaders, one of my right-hand people, I don't expect it out of you guys. Can I tell you something, church? Titus didn't have to go through all the extra hoops. Titus ended up having his own book in the New Testament. Titus had a, a heart transformation. He was circumcised internally, not externally. That stuff doesn't matter. Paul says Titus was changed because of the gospel. So the gospel has to be number one. And we've got to keep talking about that. Paul just says, look, Titus is the example. We see this, and, and uh, we do see in another letter where, where Timothy was circumcised. But that was because Timothy had a call and an assignment to preach to the Jewish converts. And he didn't want to be a stumbling block. The only reason why he did it. He didn't want to be a stumbling block. Now, now here at Cross-Side Church, look, you're going to hear me preach from the New King James Version. This is what I preach from. I've always have. It's what, it's what I've always used. It's comfortable for me. But if I'm asked to preach at a church that I know uses nothing but a King James Bible, guess what I'm going to do? Out of respect, I'm going to bring the King James Bible. Because I'm going I'm to respect their authority and their leadership. In just a few weeks, when we go to that revival meeting, I'll be carrying it with me. Because I don't want to be disunified from people of the body. Or be judged for, for preaching a different word than what they're used to. Just part of it. I'm not going to be a stumbling block and, and have them turn me off the very first time I, I speak God's word to them. Something else about this circumcision thing. You know, when, when we look at it, it's not a circumcision thing of the day. But look, we are so quick to categorize people when they walk into the church today in America. or Or even walking in Walmart. We'll judge somebody in a heartbeat in this world. So, man, they don't look like me. They don't. They don't talk like me. They're not wearing the same kind of clothes. They don't drive the same kind of car. They don't have the same kind of neighborhood. We're so quick to do that. Verse four and five. And I don't know if we're gonna get through this thing today or not. <laughs> and this occurred because of faults. Brethren, false false brothers, look at, look, these are in the church, some, some may say, well, false brothers are in other religions context. He's writing about false brothers in the church, okay? Secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty. They're going, uh, it's going to be that simple, be that life-giving, and then he says, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Another word for bondage is slavery. Slavery into what? Slavery into religion. Look what he says. To whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul says, I've already fought these battles for you. I've already fought these issues. Stop going back into bondage. Stop going back into all these things you delivered us from. In in Acts chapter 15, Paul went in front of the Jerusalem council. We hit that on, uh, on week one. Look, Jesus plus anything equals religion. Jesus plus anything equals religion. Jesus plus a certain amount of baptisms in a year equals. Religion, uh, Jesus plus a a certain amount of giving, Jesus plus a certain denomination, Jesus plus anything equals religion. Paul is writing about people who believed in Jesus and just added stuff to it. And he's writing this whole letter to the Galatian church saying that's religion, that's slavery. Jesus plus nothing is the gospel. That's what Paul was trying to get out. Now look, baptisms is great. I love it. Let's do it again next week. But we're not going to hinge on that. New membership. Hey, we'll celebrate the 20 plus new members we've had this year. Praise God for that. But we're not going to add to that to have religion in the church. We're not going to get stuck on it. Salvation is great, but don't you think that if we just keep things the way they are and we use this Bible and we preach nothing but the Bible and the truth of the Bible, that God would continue to bless us in those ways all day? Now look, I'm a I'm a numbers guy. Sometimes numbers get me in trouble because I look at them too much and I get depressed and then I get frustrated. Uh, I had a coach tell me this week, Thomas, do me a favor, stop looking at the numbers. Hey, and then I walk in right after that lunch meeting. I look to my right and there was numbers because <laughs> I've got it on my whiteboard. When you walk into the office, I'm so quick. Hey, and, and Paul's like, look. That stuff ain't going to matter. 5,000 people could come into this church today and they could submit to Jesus. They could give their life to Jesus and there'd be so many we couldn't even count them. And at that point, numbers don't matter. Like, look, transformed lives. Jesus saves. Here's the main thing that we can realize here. Paul wasn't going to bow down to anyone that was trying to change the message of the gospel. For some, they go around bragging and being religious. Look, that's not a blessing. That isn't good. Religion is a way of getting yourself to God Jesus died for uh to free us from our sin to free us from the law to free us from the pain and the death on the cross and he resurrected to free us from religion. He did not die to establish religion. Number 3. Stay focused. And can we can we do something? Can we keep the main thing the main thing? You know, can we can we not let music preferences keep us from from, from reaching people for the gospel? Can we, can we not allow the Bible translations to, to keep us from the message of the gospel? Can we not uh, let these ideologies and, and traditional values keep us from reaching people for the gospel? We've got to stay focused on keeping the main thing the main thing. We need to watch what we say. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. We need to be encouragers. We need more Barnabases to rise up. Be an accountability person, but be the accountability person in the right way, not a bossy way. Don't be the critical person. Can we do something this morning? Can we just give it up to those that clean our facility every week? Can we do that today? Can, we, can y'all give them a hand? Like you don't even, the only time, the only time that, that we hear a complaint is when something's not on a roll. Or when there's a piece of trash on the floor. But look, these people, they keep it clean every week for you. And, and I, would, I would venture to say that, that 98% of the time, they get it right. Hey, be thankful for them. Some of you are probably sitting there, I'm thankful it's not me. You know? Can we give it up for our welcome team who makes people feel welcomed every single time they come into these doors? Like Those people are the engineers that make Sundays go. Be an encourager. Thank them for what they do. Uh, they they have to remember. Hey, have you been here before? Like they they have to remember that before they spit it out. Although, you know, I, I love it when, um, when I walk over. And I see all the people serving in the fellowship hall to make breakfast go. And the fellowship that that's taking place in there. When 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 whoever it is that that gets. All the ladies at the front down here at the five minute countdown and the men in the back. Like that's the job. That's a big job every morning to make sure that prayer is taking place during the five minute countdown. Like we need to keep encouraging that stuff. But so often when one thing goes bad, like everybody, hey, you didn't get this. Hey, you didn't get this. And then the next thing you know, it's like a domino effect. And look, bad energy feeds bad energy. Good energy will feed good energy. If everybody comes in here with good energy, there's going to be good energy. If there's two or three people with bad energy, guess what? It's going to be a domino effect for bad energy. Look, church, keep this place energized with the gospel, with the love. Something called a real devil, and that real devil uses real church people that don't even realize he's working through them, and oftentimes it's after the fact before they realize they were adding something to the gospel message that didn't need to be there through their actions. make it about themselves and sometimes we don't even realize it when jesus is just enough most of the time it's them thinking that something is more important it's usually their idea or their passion most of the time you can't even find it in the bible we've got to stay focused on what is in the bible we've got to protect this house with god's word and his word daily our whole life belongs to jesus it does not belong to religion or anybody else and paul writes in philippians to live your life in a way that will reflect the gospel Verse 6, but from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man, for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. Look, our, our words are meaningless if it doesn't hinge on the gospel. Paul says, God shows no fav- favoritism at all to man. We live in a day where the pastor is someone very admirable. Some TV preacher that we want to watch—they're just this holy person because they have their own TV website and they 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 call in to give to their ministry and uh, they're more holier than anybody else that preaches in the church our size. Let me just help us out here. God sees us all the same, hey, okay? The same Bible they're preaching is the same Bible that we use. God is not partial. The preacher's over a plumber. He doesn't need to be. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't even need me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't He doesn't need you to listen to me. He can use anybody in here to preach. He doesn't need me more than he can listen to that bus driver or that teacher or that youth leader or that stay-at-home mom. God loves you and me the same way. He shows no partiality to anybody. Please don't treat me that I'm just this special man of God because if you're a man in here, guess what? You're a man of God. Hey, like... I don't need to pat on the back. I don't need to be put on a pedestal. I want to be on the same level. Look, I don't even need to be called pastor. You just call me Thomas. By the way, if you if you're new here, I'm Pastor Thomas. <laughs> uh just, just realized I didn't introduce myself today. Uh call me Thomas, please. Don't call me Reverend. Can't stand it. Only time only time I put Reverend is when I sign a baptism certificate. Uh, look, I just want to be Thomas. I'm no, I'm no more of a Christian than anybody else in here. Now, has God given me maybe, maybe a very high calling in life? Yeah. He can do the same to you. He can open your heart the same way. I don't, I don't need titles to feel like I'm worthy. You know, you know what I've I've learned about myself this week, and, and, and some of you know exactly what I've been battling. I'm flawed. I, I am a sinner that is always in need of grace and forgiveness for my Savior. Verse 7 through 9. I promise we're going to wrap this thing up in a minute. You know, give me about five more minutes. All right. Good. (laughs) 7 through 9. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. Verse 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and them to the circumcised. Paul said he had been entrusted with the gospel by God to the uncircumcised, meaning the Gentiles. He goes on and he says this, Just as Peter was called, and entrusted by God with the gospel to preach to the circumcised. Peter had a ministry to the Jewish, while Paul had this ministry to the Gentiles. Problem was, Peter, and we'll find this out in a few weeks, Peter Peter was a little bit of a racist sometimes. And he was a little racist about it. We'll get there in a few weeks. But Paul says, I have been running my race in vain. Or I haven't been running my race in vain. I have been entrusted by God. Verse 8, he says, just God worked through Peter, in his ministry to the circumcised, he's going to work through me to the Gentile people, the uncircumcised. And then in verse 9, he says, when James the Cephas, not, not sure why he didn't use the word Peter there. That's Peter. Um, that's Paul for you. He's always got to be complicated. And John, who seemed to be pillars, that's him acknowledging their leadership. He's accountable to the body. He says, they acknowledged the grace that was to me in Christ. He said, they didn't reject me. They didn't load me up with more. They extended their right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. They made a commitment that day. And Paul says, when we add anything to Jesus, we're enslaving people to religion. Stop worrying about the small things and start worrying about the big things that affect the kingdom. And I tell you, religion will kill the spark that God wants to send over and over and over. Don't allow it. Protect the house. Look at me. You, you belong here. Every single last one of you in this place today, whether it's your first time or your second time or your 100th time, you belong here. And we believe that you are a piece through the puzzle at Cross Life Church. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe Jesus changes everything. And then lastly, remember others. Just remember others. Verse 10. They desired only that we should remember the poor. The very thing which I was also eager to do. This wasn't a rule. This was an ethic. It's a way of life. Taylor, if I can come on and get you to start playing. Paul was feeling an assignment to preach to people that didn't look like him, they didn't talk like him, they didn't walk like him. And listen, church, over 2,000 years later, we had the same assignment from God right here at Cross Life Church. We will remember the poor as well, whether that is relationally poor. I think when we think poor, we, we immediately think homeless people. And that's not true. There's relationally poor people out there that don't have relationships with others. There's spiritually poor people every single day that have no relationship with a Savior. There's financially poor people that just don't have money in the bank to do anything. Context of poor goes way past what most of our minds go to most of the time we think homeless but this context goes to those that can't defend themselves they can't provide for themselves guess what that's the widow that's the orphan that's the unborn child that baby boy or baby girl is the single mom who has to work two jobs to make it in life to provide for her kids it's the hungry person it's the naked person It's the senior citizens inside the nursing homes that have just been left there to practically die sometimes. It's to the homebound. In Cross Life Church, we've got to be obedient to the things that God calls us to do. We don't do it to earn God's favor. We don't do it to put a billboard of Cross Life Church out there every time we go somewhere. Look, a lot of things that we do are in silence. And I want to keep it that way. God will take care of the rest. I believe this generation gets a lot of pushback, but let me tell you, becoming a financial coach over the last few months, I've learned a few things. Statistics say that this generation so far has been a lot smarter with finances than any of us in this room. They save more money than most anybody in the room in here. They are really good with their money. They're generous with their money. Uh, I I witnessed a couple of years ago at Passion. uh, It was a big college, um, a big college outreach. Passion out in Atlanta, Georgia, big conference for all these college students to come, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars in a two day time frame. They have the money. They want to be generous, but they want to know what they're giving to. They're generous people. I believe that this generation, when it comes to that, It could be the best we've seen yet. But what do we do a lot of times? We mark it off. We write them off. We say, they they ain't going to be nothing. They're going to mess us up. Look, we get them inside this church, and we get their hearts right for Jesus, there's a lot that can take place. We have some people to reach today. Church, we, we we need to hit the college campuses. We need to hit the school campuses again. We need to love on these people. We got firefighters and EMTs and, and 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 police officers out there that are on their their life on the line every single day. Hey, look, we got mechanics out there that are keeping your cars on the road. They need love. We've got people that simply drive your kids to school every day. They don't get enough love. They don't get enough attention. We got the people that are working with the homeless. They are doing the things that maybe some of us wouldn't want to do. And they're trying to help them. And look, if the body of Christ would come together, not just at Cross Life Church, but in every church around, and we would come together in unity and love and brotherhood and sisterhood. I promise you, Rowan County, the 133,000 people that live here can be flipped upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the question is, are we going to be the ones to lead at the forefront? Don't wait on the others to start the movement. We start the movement right now. And you just ask God, What's my part? What is my part? What are we going to do to help? Let's meet them where they're at. Whether that's a single mom, or we're giving her a random gift, or that police officer, or another frontline worker that you see at lunch today, and you say, you know what, I'm going to pay for their meal. Just be a blessing and watch God bless in return more and more while we repent from religion, and will we promote the goodness of God. Of the gospel that Jesus Christ is at work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I can't thank you enough for your love, your grace, God, the salvation that you give me. My heart, Lord, I can't I can't help but think. Several years ago, Lord, when, when I gave my life to you. Lord, and I said, I'm I'm in it. I'm all in. Lord Jesus, you've given us a church today. That needs to rise up. God, that we need to be the next influencers. God, we need to be the next encouragers. God, we need so many around us today that would just love on people and to love on people well. God, I pray during this invitational time as, as Taylor Taylor leads us, God, that your spirit would just move. God, that you would have people at the altar, that they would be crying out to you. God, that life change would take place right here this morning. Lord, that the clock wouldn't matter. God, that this moment with you is what matters. God, would you just pour out your spirit? Would you you just help us meet the needs that you're calling us to meet? Would you help us be the church in the 21st century that we need to be in this time? God, there's not another time such as this that we would be able to love. God, help us love on this generation. Help us reach the generation for your gospel. For your name's sake, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You come if you need to come. Would you stand with us? Taylor's going to lead us. You come.